Greetings in our Lord Jesus Christ and welcome to Christ Church of Livingston County Teaching Ministry. Christ Church is a member of the Communion of Reformed Evangelical Churches, Tyndale Presbytery. The following audio recording is from a Covenant Renewal Liturgy at Christ Church. We trust you will be edified and ministered to by the Holy Spirit through this audio recording. As we sing of the blessed man before the Lord, we also know that we are poor sinners who need God's blessing by His grace. And so we come to Ephesians 2 and Philippians 2, two verses very close to classic scriptures on Reformation. Today is Reformation Sunday, and so we're going to be examining that throughout the service. At this point, I'll read Ephesians 2.10 and Philippians 2.12. For we are His workmanship... Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And Philippians 2, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work, for his good pleasure. Thus far, the reading of God's word. There's a strand of Reformed thought that that fixates on grace alone so much that it won't talk about works much, or that it takes effort to obey God. If you're trying too hard, something's wrong, they say. Uh, I reject that view. I think that we were made to do good works, and we're called to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. And our sinful nature remains in us and makes that hard. So it often does uh, take work. So uh, I didn't urge you not to fall for the myth of let go and let God. Right? There, there are duties that we have because God saved us and made us his people. And it's hard to obey God sometimes. Our life is littered with thorns and thistles that make it hard to take dominion as we should in our home, in our workplace. And it's the same in our personal progress in holiness. That you're tempted at home sometimes to throw up your hands and just let the kids run wild. Right? We're tempted to throw in the, t- the towel in resisting temptation or in reading our Bible today. To be reformed and always reforming, it takes work. And we uh, often uh, fail in that work. So let us confess our sins before Almighty God today. Please kneel if you're able and we'll pray. Reformation Sunday, I'm going to go back to Martin Luther and his 95 theses for the beginning today, and we'll uh, circle back around to Genesis 1, and I'll explain why we're in Genesis 1 on Reformation Day, hopefully. So, uh, again, the first thesis that uh, Luther uh, had at the very top of his list was this uh, statement. When our Lord and Master Jesus Christ said repent, he willed the entire life of believers to be one of repentance. Now, Luther, of course, was uh, reacting to the Roman Catholic Church. Rome had been confining repentance to the confessional booth, right? You go to confessional, you do your repenting there, and then you go out and live your life, and you forget about all that stuff. It was kind of the distortion that was happening. Just say five Hail Marys and you're set, or whatever it was. No, Luther said, you got to mean it, and you've got to live it. That's the basic 
thrust of Luther's uh, beginning at a Reformation. Now, we need to realize that uh, all of our celebrating of Reformation uh, is uh, really a, a reminder that we are all prone personally to these errors that the Reformers sought to uh, overcome, right? That we, we still struggle with this today. We struggle with confining repentance to a certain section of our lives. Uh, maybe repentance only happens when you kneel on Sunday mornings or only when you get in trouble with your parents and have to say you're sorry to your little brother, right? Something like that. More, more than that, your whole life is a life of repentance, uh, Luther is saying. Repenting is a lifelong calling, always and everywhere, turning away from sin. And that's really the theme of this message. Reformation is a lifelong calling. And not only lifelong uh, throughout our lives, but every area of our lives. And so that's why I'm taking us to Genesis 1 today, where we see God's uh, original mandate. The first command that he gives, the first thing he says to Adam and Eve, is to take dominion of the whole world, of all of creation. And you see in the, the wording there, let me find it back a moment, uh, that he lists uh, the different categories of animals that he has just made, uh, primarily, right? In verse 26. Fish of the sea, birds of the air, cattle. But then he goes on, the end of verse 26, over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So there is an emphasis on the living things that are on the earth, but it really includes all the earth. Everything I just made, uh, let's have man, uh, male and female, uh, rule this for us and take dominion of it. So that think about God's original plan there for, for mankind. That we're to fill the earth with our descendants, to subdue and to rule and to take dominion uh, of this world for God as bearers of his image. Uh, so this is called the, the creation mandate or the dominion mandate. And again, it's, it's more expansive than just the specific wording. We were having some fun, uh, our family, we have uh, some folks who like certain animals. And so there was a little bit of wordplay going on. Well, this animal's not mentioned. We don't have to take dominion of them, right? Because they're cool. No, no, it means everything. All the animals, right? So, and more than just all the animals. It's like God telling us in the sixth commandment not to murder, right? Take, take that one example. Uh, we know that the command involves way more than just avoiding lethal harm. Right? Westminster especially teaches us that as it walks us through the commandments. What does this commandment forbid? What does it uh, command? And all kinds of things. It, it calls us uh, to not hate your brother in your heart. Jesus uh, tells us that in the Sermon on the Mount. It's the same thing with this first command of God from the Bible. To rule all the creatures means to cultivate every aspect of creation. Dig ore out of the earth. Predict the weather. Use math and physics and chemistry to study the elements and to build things. That's what this command means. Use logic and color and music to create beautiful things. That's the creation mandate. There's, there's a hymn that puts this nicely in a line. It says, music, art, the fruitful garden, all the labor of our days are the calling of our maker. So whatever your calling, whatever your domain is, whether the home or the office or studying at home or school, uh, engineering, design, teaching, music, computers, whatever it is, it, it's a part of this first command that God gave mankind. Go take on some part of my world, God tells you. 
it reminds me of uh, Eric Little's dilemma. It's uh, portrayed somewhat in the Chariots of Fire movie. Uh, Eric Little wanted to be a missionary in China, and he eventually did uh, take that calling. Uh, but before he did, he told his sister, he said, I believe God made me for a purpose, but he also made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. This is something that the Reformation recovered, a sense of God's call and vocation for everyone, not just for those in the ministry, not just those who went to the monastery or to the priesthood uh, or the Pope in Rome. No, everyone has a calling uh, designed by God that God blesses and God rules and God oversees. When you run, when you change a diaper, when you feed the baby in the middle of the night, when you host a Reformation party, uh, when, when you're doing all these things, when you deliver the products to your customer, when you teach a class, the next lesson plan, these are tasks given by God for his kingdom. So we need to, again, define, uh, name our area of service and flourish and learn and grow to do that better. That's our dominion mandate, calling. Uh, God creates the world. He evaluates it, right? He calls it good. And then he hands it over to us to rule and to take care of. That's, that's kind of the first six days of creation. And he made us in his image, so we tend to work in the same way. That's the pattern we have. We work, then we evaluate our work. We keep working until we say it's good, okay, that this is good, and then we sit back, satisfied, maybe we hand it off to the next person, and we sit and we rest. That same kind of work-rest pattern. And God gives us that kind of dominion mandate. This is how you are to work. This is what you are to work on. So that's uh, point one in my uh, outline today. I noticed that I forgot to get the outline in the bulletin, so that's, I should have mentioned that to begin with. But uh, that's the first thing, the creation, the creation mandate. Uh, so next we'll look, turn, turn to um, uh, how this mandate's been messed up. Uh, we are set free to rule. That's point number two today. Set free to rule. So this dominion mandate, this was really messed up and frustrated by our fall into sin in the garden, right? Now you're going to have thorns and thistles in your work. Now it's going to be painful to multiply by having children. I often try to, I try to imagine, well, as a guy, I try to imagine childbirth generally, but I, but I try to imagine uh, without the pain, right? What, what was the design there without the fall for having children? It's just fascinating to me. Anyway, thorns and thistles hinder our work, that pain and childbearing. But the calling is the same, right? The calling is the same. And when we're set free from the guilt of sin, when we receive salvation at the cross of Christ, the dominion mandate is still there all along. Only now we're set free to rule, uh, to, to fulfill this uh, command uh, more fully. So usually on Reformation Day, we focus on how we are set free from and saved from the wrath of God. How? That, that by grace alone, through faith alone, the five solas, this is how this happens. And, that, and we uh, covered that last time. Well, we're also set free for a purpose, to rule. That's what we saw in the um, call to confession again, right? We're saved. By grace we're saved through faith, Ephesians 2, 8, famous words, but we usually leave off verse 10, that we're, made, we're God's workmanship. We're made to do these things that God prepared in advance for us to do. That's why he saves us. So uh, we are uh, set free uh, for a purpose to rule. 
take Martin Luther as an example. Luther not only found a freed conscience himself before God, he also, uh, for the rest of his life because of that, worked in his corner of the world to restore order and truth in the church. His, the rest of his whole life was changed because of, because of that um, freed conscience, because of his understanding of grace alone. God not only spares your soul from damnation, he wants you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, which is your reasonable service. So Reformation is about recovering the biblical how of our salvation, of course. Reformation is also about transforming your life and ruling the world around you as God wants. And, and we need to remember in that Christ is central to both of those. Right? Christ alone, of course, accomplishes our salvation for us. And Christ also fulfills the dominion mandate for us. Right? He's given us uh, this pattern, and he's also accomplished uh, this for us. When he accomplishes our salvation, then there's our sanctification that we are called to work out, and God will see it done. And it's the same way for the dominion mandate. Right? Jesus fulfills that for us. He leaves us, then, to finish the work of multiplying, subduing, and ruling the earth. And God will see it done. There's a famous great line, and I think it's Ferris Lord Jesus, where, where the line ends, Jesus who died will be satisfied, and earth and heaven be one. So, back up a second, though, now. How does Jesus fulfill the dominion mandate? That's a question uh, we may have. How does he do that? Well, he brings many sons to glory, Hebrews 2 says. Uh, Hebrews 2 is a good place to go for this. Uh, Jesus fills the earth with godly descendants, right? He, 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 he's fruitful. He multiplies. He multiplies faithful, godly descendants. He, he uh, cleanses a people and sets them before the Lord. Here is a, a cleansed, washed, redeemed people. Jesus subdues the chaos of sin. He gets done what Adam was supposed to do, in a way. When the world got out of hand and the chaos of sin took hold, when the serpent entered the garden, invaded, right? Adam was supposed to crush the serpent, or at least drive it out and say no to it. But he didn't. Jesus comes, and he does what Adam was supposed to do. He cut the Gordian knot. He broke the dominion of sin at the cross. And now we're called to continue that work. And, and the creation groans under the fall, Romans 8 tells us. But we now have a sure and certain hope of complete restoration. And the Psalms speak of Jesus in this way. That's my third point. So we've looked at the creation mandate. We've looked at how we're set free from sin to rule. Third, just a couple of examples, Psalm 2 and Psalm 72. Uh, the Psalms speak of Jesus all the time, all over the place. Uh, they especially speak sometimes in these Psalms of Jesus having dominion. Right In Psalm 2, we read that uh, the nations are plotting against the Lord and that God's response is to laugh and then to ordain Jesus to be the king of kings. Right, You're going to be the king, not all these... Uh, Think of some derisive term. I can't think of it right now. Not, not all these clowns who are making fun of me, but my son will be the king, and you, they all need to come to you, uh, kiss the son, lest he be angry and his wrath be kindled a little. Right? So, you are my son. Today I've begotten you. Ask of me, Psalm 2, verse 8, I will give you the nations for your inheritance. 
So the ordination present for Jesus from his father is the nations of the world. I give you these nations. You shall have dominion. So Jesus commands us in the Great Commission, as he leaves the apostles on earth, he commands them to bring the gospel to all the nations. Why? Because he was given all those nations as his inheritance to own. So now we're called again to take dominion of the gift we've been given. Just as Jesus has been given this gift of all the nations, and then he gives that to us, we're, we're to be conformed to Christ's image, just as we're made in God's image to begin with. And so uh, we take dominion of these nations that, that we are uh, set among. Same thing in Psalm 72. It's a glorious psalm uh, that he will have dominion from the river to the ends of the earth. It speaks of Jesus Christ in many, many ways. I don't have time to go into them all. Uh, but uh, verse 5 is a good example. They shall fear you. Uh, and verse uh, I just quoted verse 8 already. Uh, verse 12, he will deliver the needy when he cries, the poor also. He'll save the souls of the needy, verse 13. He'll redeem their life. And it just it speaks of the abundance that flows from the king being on the throne. And Jesus, again, is that king. So uh, Jesus will have dominion, and the Psalms speak of that. Uh, so uh, moving on to my last point today, reforming all of life. We're called to take dominion of all the nations and also of, of every aspect of our lives. Luke 13 talks about this, the gospel text. Uh, leaven permeates everything and it makes the dough rise, right? It's a great illustration that Jesus uses. The kingdom of God is like that. It's supposed to get into everything you do. If the leaven doesn't get into the whole loaf, it's not working properly, right? That's, you pretty much have to throw that out if the leaven only works on a quarter of the loaf and the rest of it just sits there. No, it's meant to make the whole thing rise. Same with the kingdom of God. When we enter the kingdom of God, or when the kingdom of God enters earth, perhaps we better say, all of the earth will, will transform. All of it will change. That same with the tree, the, the small seed that grows into a huge tree and, and provides uh, shade for many birds is, is the way the Lord puts it. Uh, there's the kingdom growth, uh, and then the great benefit to many different uh, 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 life uh, species there. So the kingdom of God, uh, it, it expands and it permeates everything we do. Colossians 3 is the example here. Uh, we read most of that chapter, uh, and I hope you saw the, the, the point of that, uh, where it's beginning with our new life in Christ, Colossians 3 and verses 1 through 4. And then, therefore, verse 5, he turns to, uh, well, we need to change them. We need to put to death uh, all the wickedness in us. And instead, verse 12, uh, put on tender mercies and kindness. Let the peace of God rule in our hearts. Uh, so there's individual behavior change there to begin with, right? You have peace in your heart instead of rage or despair. And that's a big thing that we sometimes forget about as we've been raised in the covenant, uh, most of us, as we've uh, not had as much experience being unbelievers or being around unbelievers. Sometimes we forget the unbelieving heart is full of either rage or despair or pride or, or some other such thing all the time. They have no peace. There's no peace for the wicked. The scripture says over and over again, no, we have peace in our hearts. There's, there's an individual change that happens there. 
So how you spend your weekends, how you relate to people that you need to forgive, uh, all of these are the things that change in us uh, and that are, are always wrestling against the, the remaining sinful nature, of course. But, but that struggle is, is um, something that tells you that the Spirit of God is working in your heart. Verse 17 of Colossians 3, Whatever you do, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. And then he goes on in verses 18 and uh, 19 and 20, Wives, husbands, children, fathers. Again, gospel reformation permeates all of your life, not, not just your own personal behaviors and thoughts and feelings, but how wives are to their husbands, how husbands are to their wives, how children are to their parents. So when you walked through the streets of Geneva of an evening during the Reformation, it's said that it wasn't unusual to hear psalm singing coming through the windows of a home because reformation of life will reshape your family, how you spend your time together, how marriage works, how parenting happens. Family life has changed. And then verse 21, no, 22 on, bond servants. We always get caught up by the, the, language, the lingo here. Bond servant or servant and masters, right? We're really talking here about employers and employees in our modern economy. That, that's what's being discussed. It's, it's the work that you do and the employer status and, and how you treat your employees that, that we're talking about here. So you don't do your work so that others will see you and promote you but because you fear God. That's verse 22, right? Not of the eye service, but fearing God, obey in all things. Uh, even though you're working for that car company, you are serving the Lord Jesus. That's what Paul clearly says. And again, verse 23, whatever you do, whatever. That, that's the, the main point here. The gospel reformation will permeate everything. Whatever you're doing, do it as unto the Lord. No area of your life is exempt from needing reformation. From your bedroom, to the grocery store, to the plant floor. From your relationships with family and friends, to the laws that Lansing passes. There's not one square inch of this world, Kuiper said, over which Jesus, Jesus does not cry out, Mine. So uh, when Isaiah sees God sitting on his throne high and lifted up, Isaiah chapter 6, what are the angels crying out? Does anyone remember? What are the angels saying? Holy, 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 right? We sing that classic hymn. But then the next line, they also are singing, the whole earth is full of his glory. That was in Psalm 72 as well. The whole earth is full of his glory. God's glory fills the earth. So anywhere you go, as God's image bearer, whatever you do, don't take his name there in vain. Right? Work, study, care for your children to the fullest, giving God the credit and the praise. I'll close with a, a word picture from John Kelvin. Uh, he had a good line. He said that the world is a theater of God's glory. And by theater, he meant stage, like putting on a play, kind of theater. The world is a theater of God's glory. And that is very true. God creates the world, and it's meant to display his glory, just as a stage is meant uh, to display uh, the message of the play and the actors uh, acting it out. Uh, remember the line from Shakespeare? All the world is a stage. 
and all the men and women merely players. It's a famous line, but if you read that whole passage, Shakespeare missed the point of the play. He misses the point. The theater is there to magnify the majesty of the maker. The one who wrote the play, the one who set up the stage, and who set us on it. So as you live as God called you to live, you'll be doing good works. Others will see, and they'll glorify your Father in heaven. So God restores us when he, re- when he saves us from our sins, when he does that by grace through faith alone. He restores us to pursue his original mandate, to take dominion as his image bearers, because Christ has dominion over all. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for uh, your word uh, showing to us uh, the theater that you have placed us in. Thank you that uh, you have revealed yourself clearly, that we see uh, Christ seated high, lifted up on your throne, and that we uh, know that you have established him there, that the whole earth is full of his glory, that we are called to be conformed to his image, that we have uh, been given a task, uh, that you have uh, given us a a yoke that is easy, a burden that is light, and yet such an all-encompassing task. Lord, give us wisdom and presence of mind and uh, desire in our hearts uh, to reform our lives, our homes, our hearts, according to your word, uh, to uh, search every square inch, to not leave any stone unturned in our thoughts and feelings and actions, in our relationships, uh, that we might be God-honoring uh, uh, servants of yours. We pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ, our King and our Savior. And we sing as He taught us to pray. Colossians chapter 3 as we uh, come to the Lord's table today. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth, for you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. This Lord's table directs us upward. Looking up can be hard when you're looking down at all the stuff going on in this world. But this is a moment God has given us to pause, to rest, to look up to the right hand of God, where Christ, your life, is. And if we want to carry out the Reformation work that we've been given, we need to start by looking up. We are not of this world, as our Lord is not. Our citizenship is in heaven. We are colonizing the earth with God's ways. So communion is a small reminder of this. We receive bread from heaven. It strengthens us within. And then we go out and we live and work in the world, transforming it for God's glory. Uh, Jesus prays to his Father this way in John 17. He says, I have given them, the disciples and us, he's talking about both, I have given them your word. Sanctify them by it. Keep them from the evil one, but keep them in the world. They are not of the world as I am not. I send them into the world. 
So let, let us fill ourselves to the full with our Lord Jesus, his truth, his word, his grace from the cross and the empty tomb. Let us be filled here to serve back home next, at work, at school, at home, wherever it may be. So let us receive Christ and rest on him alone for our salvation today. Thank you for listening to this audio recording from Christ Church of Livingston County. If you would like further information about anything in this recording, the Bible, about Christ Church of Livingston County, or wish to make any other related inquiry, please feel free to contact us through our website, ChristKirkMI.com. That's C-H-R-I-S-T-K-I-R-K-M-I.com. Again, thank you and blessings.